dial star 611 for assistance as your cellular phone is not authorized for use at this time. Pour de l'assistance, veuillez composer étoile 611. Vous n'avez pas le... Hello, podcast listener. Everything around you that you call life was made by people that were no smarter than you. And you can change it. You can influence it. You can build your own things that other people can use. The App Guy Podcasts, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. So welcome to the App Guy Podcast. My name is Paul Kemp. I'm the founder of OneMob, which is an app development agency. And I've written myself about 80 apps, and some have even made it into the app stores. In this series, I'll be interviewing the top app developers from around the world. I'll be delving into their stories, listening to their success mantras, and learning about their successes and failures. So this will help you on your app development journey. We have some great app developers that are scheduled over the next several episodes. In the meantime, this episode of the App Guy podcast, I'll be interviewing Professor Lee Barney. And Professor Barney is the author of Developing Hybrid Applications for iPhone. Uh, he was also one of the first coders to be invited into the iPhone beta uh, way back in 2007. And he teaches at the University of Idaho. So in this upcoming interview... Uh, App developers, young and old, will take inspiration from his app developer journey. So let's hear my interview now, and I'll wrap this up at the end. Okay, so I'm uh, thrilled to introduce uh, our guest uh, today on uh, the App Guy podcast. Um, the guest is uh, Lee Barney. Lee is a professor at Brigham Young University, Idaho, and Lee has really... Uh, joined us and we're thrilled about that because uh, Lee is uh, an expert and we know that because he's written two uh, great books that are for sale on Amazon. They are called Developing Hybrid Applications for the iPhone and Oracle Database Ajax and PHP Web Application Development. Lee has spent uh, a long time in uh, software. He currently teaches mobile application development, uh, software development processes, and software engineering. Uh, I think he, um, it's been about 17 years or so, uh, Lee, that you've been involved in software. So we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. That was just a, a kind of brief introduction, but perhaps you can take a minute now to tell us you know, about you personally. We, we really want to get to know you and, and then give us a little overview of the journey that you've had into writing uh, on app development. My, my first introduction to uh, writing code uh, it was actually a Fortran 4 class way back in the day. They, they just got rid of the card reader when, when I took the class. And so that will show you how dated that, uh, that course was. It, it was kind of strange. When I first was exposed to software and coding and engineering, I didn't really enjoy it that much. It was okay. And it wasn't until I had been through a couple of C courses and an and a C++ course that I really started to, to see what it could do. And then uh, I actually got hired at a, at a simulation company where we simulated semiconductor fabrication sites and our factories and assembly test sites. And that's when I went, ah, that's what 
okay, this is this is where I want to be. And because uh, I'd toyed with uh, doing other things in technology, hmm. um, and and since then I've I've uh, you know worked in industry for for quite some time, and I owned my own mobile development company that was before the iPhone came out, and we wrote code for the Palm Pilot. And uh, and then I saw an opportunity to teach, and I've always loved teaching. I before I got into the software industry, that's what I did. I taught uh, uh, seventh and eighth graders, and just loved it. So I, I jumped back into teaching, and uh, and that has allowed me to explore things that I I couldn't explore when I was under some sort of a release deadline. What success quote do you you um, stand by? What's your mantra? Uh, and why app development? Why why do you do what you do? I like helping other people do stuff. I mean that that that's what drives me. So uh, mostly what I focus on is writing libraries and uh, designs that I can share with other people to help them do what they do. I, I find that much more uh, invigorating for me than writing an application myself. I've, I've been there already. I've done that, and and so. You know, looking for new areas to explore and expand really is what drives me. So, when uh, when the first iPhone SDK came out, it was in beta, and I wanted to see what it could do. So, I applied to be part of the beta, and for some reason, they picked me out of all of the people that applied. And, and I started to play with it then, and and I I saw what it could do, saw what that new form could do, and just became really thrilled by the opportunities that it presented also dived into the google platform they were they were kind of rushing at the time to update from a blackberry type system to the iphone type system and i've never really looked back i you know like i said i have i've written desktop server all kinds of different code but when i hit this it it was a new frontier and an exciting thing to do, and and off I went. And I, I saw that I could help a lot of people if I could get them to see that this is intrinsically different than writing for a desktop. So let's refocus really on you know your app development journey, Lee. This is this is great stuff. Uh, you must have, um, I guess, in the in the early days, maybe uh, when you were writing um, on the early SDK uh, for the uh, beta for the iPhone, that you had some tough kind of uh, hard lessons that you had to learn. You know, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the challenges you've had when when coding apps and, and how you overcome come those challenges. When I started working on the SDK. Uh, I had zero experience with Objective-C at that point. Uh, I'd, I'd written for years in C++ and, and, and Java. Um, I'd done enterprise Java, but I had no Objective-C experience. And, and I'd heard rumors about how hard it was and how strange and weird it was. And, uh, and so I, I jumped in and... Uh, the only way I can describe how to do that successfully is to jump in with both feet. Uh, if you dip your toe, you're never gonna, you're never quite gonna get there. You just have to dive. And uh, but what I found on specifically there was a whole range of of libraries that are that's just very rich, and uh, and it makes your life so much easier. Xcode has come a long way since then in helping us out as well. 
And, and the language isn't as weird as it seems. The same general principles apply to that language as, uh, as any language. I mean, you have the same general constructs and everything else. Certainly, going out and looking at examples online and looking at Apple's examples helped out. Even today, uh, that's where I spend my time. I, you know, if, if I haven't done something before, if I've run across something I didn't, haven't tried yet, Remember that I guess people listening to this may be thinking about um, getting into app development. And what would you suggest to those people um, when, uh, in your words, uh, jumping in with both feet? You know, should they go uh, straight, you know, into um, I guess Xcode and writing in the native language, or, or really should they think about some of the uh, hybrid uh, platforms that you talk about, the cross-platforms? The one that I use is uh, uh, Titanium Studio by Accelerator, which allows you to write in Java. But, you know, what would you, what would you recommend to those who are thinking about getting into app development from a, from a very early stage? Uh, what I've tried to tell people from the beginning is that it... it leverage the skills that you have. So if you have JavaScript skills or you have Java skills, uh, you know, go ahead and, and start using those types of tools, you know, like, like PhoneGap or, or the Quick Connect one that you saw in the book or, or Titanium. You know, go ahead and leverage those skills, especially, especially if you're trying to quickly lock up a space in the market. My suggestion at that point is after, after you've maybe locked up that little bit of the market or you've been busy playing in that and, and starting to understand how the user interface design is different in a mobile space, then maybe start considering going back and migrating those same skills into the native platforms. Uh, my opinion is you can never go wrong. Um, you'll move from company to company probably, or you'll move from project to project, and each project will have different requirements. And there are some things that that you can do readily and easily in a hybrid environment, and there are some, some things that are harder to do in a hybrid environment. And so I, I suggest you know, to everyone that I run into when we talk about this that they really learn both. Yes, a very good lesson there. Um, and you know, it probably is, in, I guess, certainly in my experience, a lot easier uh, with the, some of the hybrid tools, the way they're uh, developing and becoming uh, easier to use. Um, they're becoming a, 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 um, a viable alternative um, for anyone who wants to get into app development um, as a kind of starting block. Uh, so Yeah, yeah and I'd, agreed with, I'd agree with that. Uh, I, you know, there, there are two, there are three courses that I teach where we do mobile development. And one is a JavaScript course where we did hybrid development. And then, uh, there's a iOS development course and an Android development course. And the students that start out in the hybrid development course have a much easier time transitioning over into the other two. Uh, one, one, one thing that I have seen with people that are new to programming is when they approach a new language, if they haven't done this several times, to them they approach it like it's completely foreign. 
there's nothing that I can bring with me from my previous experience that will help me with this one. I have to just start all over. And, and that is not true. Just as being a native English speaker and going to learn Swedish, uh, I was able to bring a whole bunch of knowledge with me to make learning Swedish easier. Uh, if I have JavaScript or Ruby or Erlang or you know whatever the language may be, and I'm moving into another language, it makes it much, much easier. And the more languages that I'm exposed to, the easier it is to pick things up. <laughs> um, I served as an LDS missionary in Sweden for 18 months. And got to live there and be with those people and, and, and just loved every minute of it. Loved, loved being there. Loved the language, loved the people. It was it was great. You know, let's let's kind of t- take it to today. And um, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on. You you mentioned that you had a, a, a website, an app development company. What, what's most exciting you today um, with all the projects that you've got going on? What's really, what's what's really something you'd like to share with the audience? I'm just beginning a new project, and so that the, the new ones are always the most exciting ones. I mean, I've got several libraries out there to to make things easier for people. But I've got this new project I've got started up. And uh, what I'm going to be doing is writing a simulator to execute on the iPad that will simulate clusters and, uh, and allow me to design the interactions between the nodes in the computational clusters. Because I, I, I realized after thinking about clusters and cloud and that sort of thing, you really can't design um, the interactions between the nodes because they're such complex systems, you'll get behavior that, that uh, is unpredictable. And, uh, and, and so that, it, being able to write a simulation before I actually write uh, of the software, before I write the software, should allow me to uh, to create uh, uh, some clustering software that that is highly intelligent and and really easy to use. Now, most people aren't going to find that you know very interesting, but that kind of harkens back to what I did originally when I came into the industry. So it's kind of fun there. Oh, great! Well, are you mentioned that you, you had a library there we, we can um, look that look look for that so I'll include that on the show notes um, so that people can link to to link to all those things that you're referencing mm-hmm. yeah one of the one of the things I tell people when I'm interacting with them about you know their application designs is that uh, as developers and engineers we tend to fall into a trap. And the trap we fall into, assuming we're not doing a game, uh, is I've got all this great data, and I'm gathering all this great data. How can I help the user see this data? And that is absolutely the wrong approach to take to creating an app. You're going to create something that is, is not fun to use. And on a mobile space, in a mobile space, your app has to be fun to use. If there's not some funitude in it, uh, it's going to get deleted right away. Funitude. I'm writing that word down now. Is that is that a Swedish word? No, no. It's just an English word I made up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like attitude, but fun. I like it. You don't mind if I use that again? (laughs) No. Funitude. I love that. That's great. Uh, And Uh, and so I usually I usually tell them, you know, what what is it that 
you see most people wanting an app to do. And a lot of times, and again, assuming we're not talking about games, they want an advisor. They don't want an information lister. I mean, they can get that anywhere. They want an intelligent advisor, something that will go through all of that data and say, hey, this sounds like it's probably what you're interested in seeing. Um, you know, you can still get to everything, but this is probably what you would want to see. And, and, when, and I'm working with that right now. Uh, actually, the, the school's newspaper, I'm trying to get them convinced that instead of just showing a list of articles, well, what has this person been interested in before? Maybe we should highlight things that, are, that they're actually interested in. Well, that's great. And that's clearly um, good, sensible advice. Um, Google will seem to be going very much down that line with Google now, trying to almost you know, use uh, technology to predict what you want rather than just serving up on a plate a load of uh, information, but um, be very useful. And um, uh, that, that's clearly a, mm-hmm. excellent advice to anyone out there funnitude i've written that down <laughs> so as we um we're kind of drawing to a close um I, i'd like to ask just some quick fire questions um just so that we can get, get into um the, the last uh, quick fire round and um if, if you're up for that have you have you got a few more minutes to um to ask some quick fire questions sure great so when um, um what's yeah. the what's the best advice you've ever received the best advice I've ever received is be yourself, do what you want to do, take risk. That's the only way to be happy. Um, I listen to a, a lot of uh, other podcasts, and one of the consistent themes throughout is be authentic, authentically yourself. And, and it's wonderful that you've, um, you've almost reinforced that. Um, what, what can you share with us uh, maybe one of your personal habits as a, a teacher of app development uh, you know, a habit that it's good for a coder or an app developer to, to get into? Self-reliance, uh, not independence. There is no such thing as independence. You know, we can't be independent. We're always dependent on others. But we can certainly be self-reliant. So instead of constantly, maybe you've got some sort of uh, peer, teammate, lead in a team or in a community or something, use them wisely. Don't don't blast them with every question. Make sure that you've gone out and done some investigation yourself before you ask the question so you can ask an intelligent question and get a great answer. If I was to say, if there was a book you recommend, I mean, I would uh, I'd certainly recommend to the audience uh, the two books, Developing Hybrid Applications for the iPhone and Oracle Database Ajax PHP Web Application Development. Um, so I've said it for you, so you, know, you don't need to get embarrassed. But if there's an, another book, perhaps... Um, that you'd recommend to us? Well, what would that be? I'm, I'm going to diverge there and say none, not even my own. Um, the problem that most technical books have is they get out of date so fast. Uh, you know, so you know, six months after a book is published, it's it's out of date. There's a new version of the SDK. There's all kinds of things, and so I usually tend to try to point. Uh, point people to 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 web searches and uh, and the underlying SDK. Um, certainly, both of my books that I wrote are out of date. If you were to look at the current code uh, in QC Native, both for the PHP and for the Objective C in JavaScript, 
uh, that are in those books, you'd find it's, it's significantly out of date. Having been an author, uh, I would also say, yeah, publishers usually make you write a book they want rather than the one you think is the right one to write. And, and so when you buy a tech book, just be aware of that. Uh, it might not be what the author intended. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for the honesty there. And you know, things are hopefully changing with um, the, the the you know peop- companies like Amazon, where um, perhaps they're building up um, a potential audience for the for the author to write um, a continued uh, another uh, version of the book. Uh, you know, there's more of a pull from the consumers and the the, the book readers uh, rather than perhaps the publishers as they're losing their power. You know, given right. their, um, yeah, that, that's the plan I have in the future is to is to go fully digital so that I can put versions up. Yeah, yeah, and you can actually change them um, you know, as the uh, SDKs change. Well, Lee, I mean, uh, before we say goodbye, I mean, the the, the final thing is, uh, if there's anything you feel that um, you'd like to share with the audience one last time, um, that would be great. And also, um, how if anyone does want to, um, you know, reach out to you, perhaps the best way of uh, learning about you and, and, and uh, connecting with you. Last bit of advice. If you want to write or create, I should say, if you want to create a successful mobile application, you've got to think outside the box. If, if you've seen it before, it's already been done, and, and you just don't want to go there. You need to think outside the box. If you've been developing for the web or if you've been developing for the desktop, you, you really need to think outside the box on your user interface design. Don't don't be moving from page to page to page. It's you'll mobile users really don't like that. Have to come up with something else. Um, what was the second question? And, and how do we reach out to you? That's the best way of connecting with you. Uh, LinkedIn's a good way. Uh, if you contact me via email, that would be barney.cit at gmail dot com. Um, that, that's a good way to get in touch with me. Great. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll put those uh, on the show notes uh, as well. And, um, you know, Lee, it just, it just sort of, I've really enjoyed this discussion. Um, I'm thrilled that you've joined us. There's certainly some really w- wonderful words of wisdom to take away from, from this. And, uh, you know, thanks for sharing your story. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, thank, yeah, well, thank you, Paul. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode, and if you do have any ideas on who we should interview, please send that email to info at onemob.com. That's info at O-N-E-M-O-B dot com. It's always a challenge trying to get guests, so your help will be much appreciated. 